0: Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 conversation where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement and thanks to our podcasting partner Pullstring Press for this great studio and to Patrick my co-host Hey Patrick,
1: Mark. So good to see you. Hey,
0: so I want to welcome today's guest, Brian Cornell of um, Cornell Andrew Litas.
2: It's a mouthful. It is. Thank you, Mark. Full
0: mouth. How are you?
2: (laughs) I'm great. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Good to be seen. (laughs) So it is. It's good to be here. (laughs) So
0: we've known each other for a long time, everybody. So this is uh, a great chance to sit down and have an extended conversation with my good friend. About a lot of different things. Uh, you are uh, an architect, uh, actually pretty well-known architect here in Santa Barbara. Um, and yeah, to the to the cameras that aren't here, there was a little bit of a, a smirk there,
2: <laughs> a <from> shrug, <laughs> a shrug. I mean, I you know, I, I it's it it takes more than one person. It's a it's always a team to create a building, and I feel very lucky that I you know, can participate in that. I've, I've been very fortunate.
0: How long have you been an architect?
2: Uh, since, uh, 79. So you, you, so you went to Cal Poly. I went to Cal Poly. And what'd you study there? Architecture. Okay. It's the, it's the second biggest school there at, or it's probably the biggest now at, at Cal Poly besides agriculture. Um, but I actually started at the University of Colorado in Boulder because I wanted to ski. But I knew I wanted to pursue uh, architecture. I applied to architecture schools, of which there are, are, you know, limited ones. Actually, I applied to Cal Poly initially and wasn't accepted. Really? So I went to uh, Boulder, and then I ended up reapplying to Cal Poly and, and got in and continued for five years.
0: What was it? Or what, rather, not the what, the why? Why architecture?
2: Well, you know, I always I mean, I always love to draw and hmm. and but I I I've always been fascinated. In fact, my father was sort of fascinated with this notion of what where does it, where is a person's genius and he found this institution called the Johnson O'Connell Institute that has offices in major cities and their whole thing is evaluating people based on what their natural abilities are. So you go in and you take a barrage of tests and hmm. you have no idea what they mean. Some are vocabulary tests, some are like putting together squiggly blocks, color association. How I, old were you? I was 14. Huh. And my sisters who were older than I were also taking these tests. And <clears throat> I, you know, you do that for a couple of days, you come back in a week, you sit down and, you know, the guy looked me in the eye and said, architecture. Just like that. Yeah. He said, well, maybe city planning. <laughs> I said, but I want to be a pilot. He goes, no, you'd be very unhappy as a pilot. Really? And he, you know, had these things, and they they came up with a lot of their uh, their their uh, patterns, if you will, that they use to assess people. Come from them evaluating people that are really good at what they do, that are mm-hmm. known to mm-hmm. be good mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. doing what they do. So, so I said, okay, then well, I'm going to go to college, and I'll go to architecture school. So you're
0: 14. That's still several years before college. How did you? Did you start investigating architecture or no, paying attention no. to it? No, no.
2: Interestingly, no, I didn't. I, I was, you know, playing football. I liked girls. You know, I was high school. I was just taking the college preparatory classes to get into college, get the best, you know, SAT scores I could get, which compared to kids these days are pre- was pretty low. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten anywhere, I don't think. <laughs> Do you remember the number? It was like... 1320 20? that's pretty great. What no, is like, so isn't fourteen so a perfect score? No, no, sixteen. Sixteen, 16 used to be, so yeah. but
1: they've they've been modifying.
2: Now my claim is my best friend got a sixteen hundred.
1: What if you took them now? I've always <laughs> oh, thought God, that. Like no. we should go we should all go back and take them uh, again.
2: No, it was too painful the time. First time. <laughs> not fair. I don't like tests. <laughs> not fair.
0: So you be you go and you study architecture, and what was it there? That really kind of lit you because you've been doing this your whole life, and and we'll get into why you're doing it by yourself and not working someplace else. But what was it that lit you up about that?
2: Well, it's funny because I was I I went through architecture school and and I was you know always good at at the design. Uh, studios and I was really bad at calculus and physics and that stuff and load strength of beams. Uh, yeah. And that kind oh of thing. yeah. Um, it, it was just, it was horrible. It was painful. Um, went to Denmark in my fifth year huh. and, um, was, uh, you know, frankly at, at about that time I was passionate about drawing cartoons <laughs> and really thought and you I still was, do
0: a Christmas card I, every I year do, every year. Yeah. Yep.
2: Um, so I was I was really into that. I kept a journal and did all kinds of cartoons and things. And lo and behold, I come back from Denmark. I mean, I got long hair. I got my you know my clogs, and I, and within forty eight hours, thanks to my father, um, who was not domineering at all, believe me. He he. But he just completely set this thing up where I was I was in a drafting table, forty eight hours after landing from Copenhagen. Really and uh, just you know at 425 an hour and started doing architecture for who Oh a firm down in Ventura County called dial services uh-huh. they were mostly engineers so actually interestingly I kind of got immediately thrown into the position of doing design work because these guys were just into do- sizing the beams sure. and drawing the sure. the drawings so it was an interesting first step and then I realized you know I, I really need to work for a serious architect. And so I went searching and, um, literally drove, you know, up and down the coast of California, but pretty much was somewhere between, you know, a firm here in Santa Barbara that had just started called design works and a couple of firms in San Luis Obispo. And I, you know, why I went back to San Luis Obispo, I'm not sure, but I did, I chose the San Luis Obispo firm worked for about two and a half years there. Um, Got my license, and then I was ready, actually, to go out on my own in San Luis. Now, this story you'll love. I, my, my sister, who lives in Newport Beach, wants to set me up on a blind date. Uh-oh. And so we agreed a rendezvous in Santa Barbara and uh, at 1129, if you remember Sure, that. of course. And so I'm there at the fountain in 1129, uh, and she's not. <laughs> it's really a blind date because she doesn't show up. Oh, my gosh. And as I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself, wondering what the hell I'm going to do now, um, Mark Kirkhart and his wife, Bev, walk through the courtyard. And he's the guy that had offered me a job a couple of years earlier and said, Brian, what are you doing? Within two weeks, I was (laughs) down here working in Santa Barbara. Nice. Nice. So someone I never met, a choice someone else made changed my life. Had she shown up, I would have been in the restaurant, sure. eating, and Mark and, and Bev and would have walked through, and I would have never happened. And we would not be sitting here. Isn't right that now. wild? I love that. I,
0: there's those points in life where we measure the before that and the after that. And if we can be cognizant enough to understand that just happened, and now now what? Now, you were telling me before we went on that you've got a saying now in life. <laughs> and,
2: and what is that saying? It's right here, right now. I printed on my golf balls. <laughs> so you don't, and you golf a lot. So you
0: don't get to, you don't forget that.
2: Well, it, 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 yeah. It's a constant reminder.
0: Well, the people that listen to this podcast live here in the 805. We've got a lot that are outside of the area. And what I like doing is talking to the people behind the business and then see how we connect the dots to every other business. Cause there's, oh probably 35 different economic clusters in the region. You and I worked on the Economic Community Project back in the day, so you're very, very aware of you know economic vitality efforts that have happened in the region. And this is a part of that, which is having conversations with interesting people that will both educate a little bit, these aren't teaching lessons, but mostly inspirational, but also get people to take some action, uh, what they're doing. And I thought it would be very interesting in the conversation with you and architecture and where we work and how we work. And I'm not sure if businesses think about the impact of the physical space on what they do. And why don't we talk about that a little bit cuz I know you work a lot with businesses.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, what what comes to mind when you talk about that is is and this was this was sort of the the roots of the economic community project. This notion that we are we are a place that's bigger than the individual parts, bigger than just the city of Santa Barbara, Isla Vista, Goleta, Paso Robles, Thousand Oaks, you know, whatever. And and there we share mutual resources and and architecture, it, you know, it's it, the the incredible thing about architecture today. And I have to say, I'm extremely proud of my profession. Is its acknowledgement of its role in in the problems of the world, and and how important it is that architects unilaterally decide to make a difference. Buildings mm-hmm. are the biggest creator of greenhouse gas by far, over yep. and above anything. Um, and and if you throw in the the creation of construction materials, it's even worse. So um, the architects, uh, I have to say, in this community and all over, are really taking a responsible role in saying, how do we create buildings that have less impact? Now, how does that play into this, you know, dynamic community? Um, you know, we do, uh, we we create space. You know, both urban space and private space, and uh, all of us have um, a need to experience that. Why is Santa Barbara such a popular place to people? Because is it is it the architecture? It's an interesting notion. You know, it's very different than Paso Robles. San Luis Obispo each has its own, sure. you know, identity and, and vibe. Um, but we... We we connect in ways that I don't think uh, we fully understand. And what I love about architecture is it's a way to connect with people.
0: Okay, let's let's go on that because you know me I'm I'm all about connecting and making connections and and connecting the dots and heck the project's called Eight Hundred Five Connect. <laughs> 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 right there you go. How? Okay, so. I want I want to answer this question, but I want to hear your answer. How does architecture connect? What what is where do you see that connection? And I and I only I say that because I'd like the person listening to us to kind of think about it from your point of view.
2: Well it connects definitely in terms of, of place. You know, we recently did this little project in Montecito that is the honor bar where the honor bar is on the corner there. And it just kind of instantly, you know, has become a place and people know it. And sure. it's like it's, it's become a place. And, and that was a nursery that people in Montecito were very sad to see go. I worked right next door. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, so now it's there it is. It's the new place, it's the new thing. It's changed many people's lives, undoubtedly, the people who work in the restaurant, who, you know, come here and visit, whatever. But it is now part of the community. So gosh, you it know. Feels like
0: it's been there forever.
2: Yeah, and it and it happens that happens over and over again. And interestingly, architecture some kind sometimes creates a real bummer. It's like are you kidding me, really? How did that How did that happen? Did
1: you want to name names on that? No. Absolutely not. You all know what I'm talking about. You
2: know. And it's and so wow, it's it's it, you know, it it a couple of thoughts come to mind Mark, and I don't know if this is going down the track you want to go, but what I the world I live in is actually sometimes it's it's really hard because of all the regulations sure. that we have to deal with, and we have to deal with all these different regulations from all these different institutions. You know, going back to the Economic Community Project, the whole idea of that is really: wouldn't we work better if we planned as a larger region, where we really made those connections from a planning standpoint? That right. it was a bigger right. picture instead of this city doing their thing, that city doing its thing, the county doing its thing, and you go out to all these different boards and commissions, and who do you, what do you, oh, come on, you're killing me, right? So why is that? Why do we tend to break down into fiefdom? Since you and I have been in town, we've created a new city of Goleta, right? And yep. maybe there'll be a, a city of Isla Vista, as opposed to it going in the other direction. It's a, it, I pose that as an interesting dilemma. Well, 805 Connect
0: is, is n- by no means a solution to that, but it's a way to at least give us a, a, a view into the region. What the Santa Barbara Foundation had said in the, in the very beginning we were talking about, it, she says, we don't know who's doing what with whom. That was the initial problem. Let's just solve that. And we found out, that there's all of these incubators, accelerators. There's a whole startup community, and no one's talking to one another. The, you had the occasional bit. The business schools aren't talking to one another. The I could just go on and on and on. Yeah, I mean,
2: right. look, I mean, water, water districts or water districts talking to one another. Maybe kinda, sorta, be in a crisis situation, but shouldn't water be something of all things that we manage at a at, at a larger regional area, you know, I've, I mean, really our, our political boundaries ought to be our, our, our sort of geographic resource boundaries in a perfect world, right? Wouldn't it? it? Absolutely. was in the
0: last two years, as I've been working on this project, I've learned so much. I've learned, well, I already knew about the North South divide in Santa Barbara County. I didn't realize there was an East West divide in Ventura. Those are those who live above the grade and below the grade. I had no idea. I just kind of drive through that, you know. I grew I went, up below the grade. You
2: okay, <laughs> Camarillo High School? No kidding. Yeah, right at the base of the big Cuneo grade. Big shout out to Camarillo. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: the, you know they're rocking it. I the, the uh, Economic Development Collaborative of Ventura County is based right there in Camarillo. Uh, the Camarillo Library is a big supporter of the program. Uh, what their uh, their business development, economic development group there at the city, they're rocking it. They're really doing a good job. Not to the exclusion of the 21 other cities, but they just continually show up on my radar as participatory and making it happen.
2: So back to architecture, then why does the architecture down there for the most part mm, suck?
1: Sorry. That's a good, you know, I... <laughs> That's okay. I, we'll bleep it in post. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, know. no, know, it does. It's, know. It's,
2: it's it's a... It, in. You know there are obviously exceptions, and I and I you know respectfully to to my f- architects in Camarillo and Ventura County, but there's there's not a lot of, of place there. I mean, you got a lot of shopping centers. You have right. to drive from one place to another. There it really gets back to why is Santa Barbara an attractive place? Because it's a walkable place. Mm. It's a place where people connect visually, emotionally. They you know it's it's a I mean, I, it's interesting,
1: Brian. Doesn't that uh, like you look at places like Rancho Cucamonga, or you look like or anywhere Riverside? You, you name these places that that essentially are all over the Inland Empire and all over uh, Southern California in general, and they're indistinguishable from each other. That sense of place is a is a perfect thing to uh, yeah. to begin building on. But but let's let's focus on Camarillo because you you actually have the credential. To define what you mean when you say the place sucks, architecturally speaking, like what, like I mean, and that's you know clearly we're not going to point out any firms or anything, but like what 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 are the suck parts? What are the parts that you, as a, as a as a you know longtime architect, can look at and say this is undesirable, and I wish that it was better, different.
2: Well, it's interesting because the word that comes to mind is authentic, and yet if I really dig deep into that we're really not being terribly authentic here in Santa Barbara.
0: You mean Moorish architecture we're, we're, is not <laughs> native to Santa Barbara? We're
2: designing the way dead architects would have designed. That's kind of what's imposed on us. But going back to Camarillo, that's just bad imitation of, of unauthentic architecture. It, it's, it's designed to just be leasable space and, Anybody can go in and it's, it's not about place so much as it's about commerce. Hmm. It's just about commerce.
1: And does that look like a friendly enough place for me to go buy my vacuum cleaner?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you, but you, what you do is you drive there, you, you find the vacuum cleaner store, you drive right up to it. It's very convenient. You go in and buy your bag and you then drive somewhere else. It's what you do. So the interaction is very different. Now, how does that then affect the way people ultimately interact? Gosh, um, it changes it, I think. It has changed it. We're, we're moving fast, aren't we? I mean, the world's changed a lot since I went to high school in Camarillo. You know? Well, it's changed just,
0: I mean, it's, it's changing so fast. I think the rate of change, we're beyond Moore's Law now. I think of, we talked about points in time pre-iPhone and post-iPhone, when you could have the world in your pocket, uh, you know, literally. And uh, that's profoundly affected every single industry. I don't know that it's affected you because you. Oh God, tell yes. Tell me. Well, tell me how. I mean, you are still building. Building. We, you know, as much as our, everything is virtualized, we still have. We still get in our car and go places, or we walk to
2: places. Now, and this is a, actually architecture is a very interesting uh, uh, teacher ab- about where we are and 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 my life specific. You know, I did your, the TEDx talk sure. and, and, and looked at how time is moving more quickly and how when I was a, a senior in high school, the population of the planet was half of what it is today. It has doubled in my That's very 45 short years ago. lifetime. And, <laughs> and more than doubled. And, and what do you, you know, wh- what are we doing about that? But um, the, uh, I draw... With a with a pen and, mm-hmm. a, and a pencil, and my pen's somewhere lost in my shirt here, um, and it's a critical connection: my hand to the paper via yep. this pen. Yep. Um, and I use it all the time. I mean, the the thing I love about architecture is the visualization of a of a place or a space, and yep. then and then drawing it and thinking about it and how that, you know, passes on. Young architects are, for the most part, losing the that ability to draw, um, but they are becoming more adept at using this computer tool. Of course, but is there a connection lost? I don't know. Maybe, maybe through uh, maybe through several generations, the connection with the computer as a tool becomes just as direct. Perhaps you use a, maybe you use a stylus or whatever. I'm not sure, but I see in the way that younger architects look and see and draw um, we're changing very fast. It's a very different world than the one I started um, drawing in. So let's
0: take that visualization and, and dig into that a little bit. You know my background is in visualization and see what you think and you know with Wavefront. And I remember going into a meeting at Union Bank, downtown Santa Barbara, and getting up on the executive floor. I think it's the third floor there. And there's an atrium. And there's this perfect cutout. And you can see the mountains perfectly. It's just like framed exquisitely. And I somehow found out you were the architect of that building. And I called you to say, how did you know that someone because I told you about that And he says oh yeah, I, uh, yeah of course it's that way <laughs> and I said well no no how, how did you know that at you know seventy feet above the ground at this spot you could previsualize it this is before you drew anything and you just said I just know tell me about that because th- that that had nothing to do with technology that's something in your brain
2: absolutely and I and I think uh, I think. To be a good architect, you have to see it in your mind. You have to visualize it. You have to have incredible three-dimensional visualization. Um, back to my question, are we losing that? Uh, I hope not. I, I think that w- the, the tools are changing that. But yes, I, I did know that. And um, God, that's the great joy of what I do. I mean, I'm so lucky that I can... Have the ability to visualize things and then actually get them built and be able to experience that moment, although fleeting and oftentimes anticlimactic, but to to look at a building I mean let's use the honor bar again as an example to stand across the street and think about what I visualized about being there right, and right, then right. it was a nursery it, then seeing it built and and the reaction of the community generally positive about Very it. Very positive. Feels, you know, how lucky am I, right, to do that?
0: So, when you talk about visualizing something that doesn't exist, it, I instantly think about being creative. And the person who's listening right now, I'm thinking of one guy I know who listens to the show, and he's extremely creative. And is it? Would you say that entrepreneurs? people who have businesses can kind of see that idea, see that thing that they're making, much like a musician can hear the music in his head before he ever writes a note down, much like Patrick, when he's creating a piece of art, has a view of what it's going to be before he does it. Me, when I'm cooking a dish, I have a good sense of what it's going to taste like and look like before I've even sat down to do it. Do you think that's that's a common trait amongst all of us and then how we execute that and then turn it into a business is kind of the next big leap.
2: Well, yeah, I I mean, it's, you know, certainly there's incentive built in there in that creative process. You know, you are incentivized by what the outcome is going to be. And that's what business is all about, isn't it? That's sure. So, so I think so, yeah, and the and, and the person that is that way is always, I think, reaching, always striving. You know, I would have, you sort of touched on this before, I mean, I would have never been happy staying as an employee just because I needed to sort of do things the way I wanted to do it, the way I felt, you know, the direction should go. At the same time, gosh, I, you know, I mentioned this before about the team, I mean, what i also love about architecture and what i do is that it's not my decision really ultimately i'm i'm merely guiding a process
0: kind of like your dad guided you yeah
2: and 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 i every every problem that we have we solve and the problem is based on specific criteria the land the the owner the what it is they want to build what the objectives of all of it are, the cost. All of these factors come into play and all these people have to contribute to make it ultimately happen. And so I do that, that, that teamwork thing is happens with every single project that I do. And it, everyone is different completely, um, which is The also, constraints are all different, right? Yeah, and the personalities are all different. You know, gosh, you, you know, the, the client, uh, uh, the effect of the client and his personality and vision and creativeness, you know, plays importantly in what a building becomes. And then, of course, there's the architectural board <laughs> who also, you know, make it a little shorter, move it around a little bit.
1: My my girlfriend currently sits on the ABR. Really? Yeah, Courtney Jane Miller, landscape oh, architect. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Courtney's great. Yeah. Courtney is great.
1: Oh, that's she. She comes home. She comes home, and and uh, sometimes I watch the thing on uh, on the internet, and then she comes home, and we we get to have a good conversation about.
2: Well, yeah, and there's someone who said, "Okay, I'm going to do it." I mean, if I can if I can, dive, you know, move off this for just a second, thinking about Courtney. She had something happen to her that was uh, the result of somebody else. Katie O'Reilly Rogers, who was a landscape architect in Santa Barbara, Uh, a good friend of mine from the fourth grade, grew up together in Camarillo, suddenly passed out in her office one day, went to the hospital, MRI. She's got a tumor the size of a tennis ball in her head, had no idea. And um, after several operations, is now living in a home, actually, in Newberry Park, Um, and you know, the, the, the surgeries and the cancer did a lot of damage. Courtney sort of had to pick up her firm, keep it going. She had projects underway. St. Francis, the cottage hospital workforce housing project, uh, was, was Katie's uh, project and Courtney had to pick it up and take it over. And Mm. man, she, uh, she stepped up to the plate and up to the challenge and now as a great firm. Yeah. of her own here in Santa Barbara and doing great.
1: She's pretty, she's pretty neat. Yeah. She's, well, she, she picked up Ellen Kanto. She picked up all of those, all of, of those work. jobs. And she yeah. did it,
2: she did it with grace and yes. everybody oh. liked her. And yeah, she's so easy she, to like, she,
1: she's easy to like,
2: right. Once again, though, Katie's story right here, right now. Yeah. And yeah. that's all we got. Yeah. And, and you better do the most with it.
0: Gosh, I, it gets, it has me thinking of a, uh, a million different things, but I'm going to
2: come back to a question that I... Because I haven't been answering your questions. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> You're doing a good job. You're doing
0: it. a great job of not yeah. answering the questions, and yeah. that's what makes it interesting. Um, so we, we talked about the outside of buildings, and you helped me, oh gosh, 25 years ago on the inside of the building. Our company was exploding. We were bursting at the seams. We didn't know what to do with our space, and you came in I forget her name, one of the team members. Eileen comes to mind, but it's probably not it. And we sat, you sat down and walked us through how to think about space and how to think about our people. And this was something we'd never done before. And I think as a business person who's listening to this, do they really think about how people work together and, and how do we create the collaborative space? How do you you talked about negative space. How do I create that space for conversation to happen? How what are the questions a business person should come in and ask you about how to optimize their space to get done what they need to get done? Rather than just being functional and camarillo like, but more creating a
2: sense of space? Well, Um, it's interesting question, um, because I think what normally happens is somebody realizes, Hey, I I have a problem. I need help. Either I'm growing or I'm shrinking or the, this space just isn't working for us anymore, or it's outdated or, you know, whatever it is, but they, they have a problem. And so when they come to us, really, it's not so much questions I I think as it is being able to get to the to uh what the problem really is, honestly. Mm. And mm. you know, a lot of people come to us and say, Okay, I need, you know, like okay, I I know I need uh, a twelve by ten room and it's gonna have this and this and this and it well that's great, you know, that's important. But they, you have to reach deeper into, you know, what are we really? How how should we be? We working, if we're going to embark on our space that we spend the majority of our life in, because that's what we're talking about, right? Then, <clears throat> what does it want to be? What what is mm. it that it really wants to be? You know, I made the decision when I created our space that. I didn't want to be in an office. I wanted to be in the middle of the space, you know, and right. out in the open. And it's a, it affects the way the business operates then. It's, been, it's very important for people in my business to hear me screaming on the phone or, you know, <laughs> getting chewed out by a client or whatever it is, right? That's all really good stuff, and they all learn from that. So that's a criteria. So as a, as a business owner, you, do, you, ask those, you ask yourself those questions, right, and then pose them as a problem to the architect, so I'm not sure it's, it's asking me questions. I mean, they're going to ask me questions like, can I do this for $1,200? For <laughs>
1: Which <is laughs> Those always are no. always
2: important questions. <laughs> no. and, you know, and it's my responsibility to try to answer that. I mean, because that's what I do has to have that basis of reality. Sure, right? of course.
0: That's just one of the constraints. Well, I, yeah. I have yeah. a, if I were to have a bumper sticker on my car, it would say, creativity craves constraint.
2: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that it it really is. I like the constraints because it helps formulate the best solution ultimately.
1: Does it also give you a starting place? Because you don't have to think of everything. You have to think with inside of this, the parameters that have been established.
2: I mean, that's the great thing about architecture is right off the bat, the starting place is a piece of land. It's a, it's a Mm -hmm. piece of ground. Mm -hmm. It's a, that's your white piece of paper. Something, right? So you, you start with that certainly, but gosh, I mean, yeah, every single project would be completely different if just one component changed. It's kind of like that girl that stood me up, you know? <laughs> had <laughs> sure, had she, sure. She, had it been a different person in the loop, something would have changed and
1: you'd be stuck in slow. Or if, the honor, or if the
0: honor bar was on the other side of the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't on a corner. Yeah. The fact that it's on a corner makes a huge difference the way you did that wrap around and that feels perfect for that space
1: oh it's and it's I th- just to just to for a moment to i don't know if this is flattering but like if if only all if, if only if if everything in montecito were designed that way designed with that same kind of consideration that same kind of feel well, that's
2: yeah that's very nice and, and i you know i have to say i feel I, I that building has been very meaningful for me because i i've been amazed at how many more so than any other building i've ever done people have called me just out of the blue and said hey that's just really i want you to know man that that really works. That's that's it really it. Totally cool. does, and uh, it's and it's because the client is uh, a great guy, a guy named Alberto Volner from Mexico, mm. studied huh. to be, studied to be an architect, um, but got into development, ah. and um, is a is an incredible guy. He saved my life. How's that? Tell me um, that. Well, I was as you knew. No, I had bladder cancer. I was I was spending a couple of years trying to save my bladder, um, and. I realized, you know, I I need to go see somebody else. And Alberto, I knew, had had testicular cancer and and feels that UCLA had saved his life, UCLA urology. And so I emailed him and I said, you know, my bladder's... Just had a cystoscopy where you look inside your bladder, which is really fun. It's kind of, you know, like, what's the <laughs> you redefined fun for us well, this morning. <laughs> well, it's, it's, what was the great movie when we were growing up, in, uh, the, where they went, they, they had shrunk themselves and they went fantastic in. Fantastic voyage. Fantastic voyage, right. So it's kind of like that. So I call up, uh, Al, or I email Alberto, and he sends me, or, or immediately, within probably less than a week, I'm meeting with the head of urology at UCLA. Oh. And, uh, this guy looks at my record and says, dude, you got to get your bladder out or it will kill you. Mm. And had I not reached out to Alberto and made that connection, who knows where I'd be? Because it turned out I scheduled surgery and it turned out when I did the pre-op work that the, the cancer had gotten out of my bladder and was in mm. my lymph nodes. Mm. And I wouldn't have known that going down the path I was going. So, yeah. Pretty how, cool. how are you feeling now? Feeling great. How's your life different now? Well, you know, I, I have to say, I promised myself, you know, I, I joked that I took a sublatical. <laughs> for <three months>. and, <laughs> oh, 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 hold it. Yeah, I think it's time to play buzzword bingo, Patrick.
1: I think that one's pretty self explanatory.
2: <laughs> and so I promised myself I wasn't going to get back doing the same grind and then I was going to do what I love to do because that's what I do best and not do the stuff that I don't love to do and consequently don't do best back to the, the the Johnson O'Connell Institute, isn't it interesting we do the thing best that we love to do naturally, that we just naturally do well, but I'm you know, still it's hard, it's hard, you get sucked back into life, don't you and all of the all of the things and all the demands and so I'm right now I'm working too hard Um, you know things are busy out there the cyclical nature of our economy you know is but that was the whole thing about ECP by the way if I can continue to ramble how we basically started that based on the premise that you actually need to be thinking about the downturn when things are going great, it's sort of the opposite yep. sign that you need yep. this organization that's actually ahead of the curve, and helping to think about managing that. Something we didn't do relative to water, did we? I Not mean, at all. it wow. was kind of a duh. You're going <laughs> to run out of water some point
0: now we're just hoping El Nino
2: comes and solves all we our problems. To, we seem to be, yeah. Yesterday,
0: the, the word was, uh, <clears throat> and in all the reports, it was if the weather people got together and issued talking points. So now the talking point for El Nino is that it's Godzilla. <laughs> right? So all the press reports on the news, it's we're going to have a Godzilla El Nino, and everybody's going, you know, thank goodness.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, thank goodness. It, it, we obviously desperately need that but I hope that we don't just quickly forget. See, this is back to what I was saying. Well, I've, no, exactly. I've kind of forgotten, right? It's like every moment, that's why I put right here right now on my golf balls because I, it, it, to be present is a constant grind. It's a continual grind. Don't kid yourself. It were, if it were easy, everybody would do it, right? <laughs> and you have to work at it. You have to continually remind yourself. That's why I do love golf because golf forces me to be present because guess what? You do not play a good round of golf uh, if you're not present, if you're not in your here and now. Guess what? You don't experience a good life if you're not present. You don't give good podcasts if you're not present.
1: (laughs) Hey Brian can we can I have a question about clients because you were saying that, that that you don't want to do the things that you don't want to do and you do want to do the things that you're that you feel most comfortable in and when you're when you're picking a client to work with and, and and evaluating whether or not you're willing to give them kind of you know your your participation and your time, what are you looking for in a client that you and how do you say no to the one that you decide you don't want to work with?
2: Well, um, yeah. I confess. Saying no is very hard. That's one of the one of the important lessons of business, right? M- sure. McKay said, t- yep. t- "Say yep. no till your tongue bleeds," and I probably uh, haven't done enough of that. But um, clearly, you you have signs from clients that you look for, and you have to be selective. You know, that's at this point in my life, I have to be selective and. Yet you also, going back to architecture, it's, and this is true of many businesses, right? You, you want the challenge. You want to believe that client's a good guy, really, and you can really make the project great. And if you design it, it's going to be better than if somebody else designs it. That kind of arrogance slips in perhaps mm. a little bit, and you, and you can't say no. But for me, there are several important criteria. One is they have, to be, they have to like the dog, Huh, so, okay. So the dog being in the office, which I've always had a dog, yep. uh, is I've, always really good. <laughs>
1: I've, I've heard that uh, about you, actually. A, a, a
2: really good criteria <laughs> yeah. for clients. If, they're, if they really have a problem with the dog, you know, then I, I know. No it's second not meeting. Work. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. But so um, something if like that's some unfiltered. If it's all about money, huh. you know, if it's all about money, that's a sure sign, red flag, you know. There's got to be a little bit more than that. you got to care a little bit more than just about making money.
0: Yeah. What's the third one?
2: I, you just get a feel, don't you? You just have a sense. You know, you have to listen. And, you know, if you if you are really present with yourself, you just know this feels good or it doesn't feel good. So
0: here's what I think is very interesting about that last statement is, as business people, there's a certain way of approaching business. It's very checklist, very and let's say it's the engineering approach. And and this whole talk, I've been thinking about the the kind of the creative clash between the engineer and the creative person. We saw that in game development. We see that in car design. I see that in motion pictures. I now understand that happens in architecture. <laughs> And your being, you know, your roots is the guy who's drawing, the artist, the creative person, the the person who can visualize that building he needs to approach that decision from the gut, from the intuitive, I'm just going to kind of close my eyes and kind of feel this. And to the engineer person, whoa, whoa, I can't make the decision that way. I've got, I have to have a checklist. I have to... So I guess the counsel is, how do I have a, that not how you should have a, a blend between those. And that comes with experience. And as a young person who's just starting out in business, kind of be open, listen to that inner voice who's saying, don't do this job. dude. don't work with this guy. It's a problem or the money might not be there, but this project is so appealing and so interesting. And there might be something to learn here. I'm going to go for that anyway.
2: Yeah. Um, Got so many things come to mind. I mean, one is that you know, I mean, gosh, when I was starting out writing, I'd take anything, of I course. Mean, <clears throat> and uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I um, one job that was maybe a garage remodel introduced me to a guy that was the head of Sansom Clinic, and huh. I ended up doing a bunch of work for Sansom Clinic, which led to this, which led to that. You know, along the road, led to Fred. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and so um, those things you you sometimes have to do the stuff you don't want to do to get to that next place. Um, the other part that comes to mind is that the engineers and all of that you know <clears throat> there's a reason most architects are, are partners. There are partnerships because no w- one person can can get it all. I mean, you, the reality is you need the creative vision, but you need the checklists and and mm-hmm. you need the math mm-hmm. and, you, you know, you got to bring all of that together. Um, so it's really hard to think that you can possibly do it all alone. So engineers, I couldn't build buildings without engineers. I hate them sometimes. (laughs) They drive me crazy. But gosh, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it, could I? No. So you got to have that. So that just speaks to, you know, the connections that happen within an organization that is creating buildings or whatever. It's a lot of different ways to think about it to get to the finished product.
0: Which gets back to the team, which gets back to the beginning, which means we're at the end. <laughs> Perfect. Good. And thank Brian, you. thank you so much. Uh, this was really fantastic. I, was um, we, The idea of these conversations is to be a catalyst to think about other things. So the person who's listening right now, if this has got you thinking about something, write us, let us know. Uh, Brian, thank you. One of the things we do on the show is um, you get to help me name this episode. Now that we've talked for forty-five minutes, <laughs> um, and wh- what would you would you say this episode should be called?
1: Oh, Mark, these are your parameters. This these is are... the land you're working in. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I'll tell you what, it's, I will think of. Do yeah, you have something no, come to mind? It's it's uh, it's certainly a lot more than architecture.
1: Okay, that's pretty. I good. like that. I thought you were going to go with right here, right now. Yeah, so yeah. did I. It's certainly
0: <laughs> a lot more. Than architecture. There you go. Um, the the reason I say that is um, when people are scanning through the playlist of all the episodes, the titles, and I am doing I'm doing uh, kind of performance analytics on the titles, and so I'm playing with those. And is it so- alphabetical or? No, actually, oh. <laughs> I I, I, uh, I mix it up every week. Good. Patrick, did you good. know that?
1: I, I Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, very kind
0: of, yeah, I mix it up just to see what works and what doesn't work. So thank you for that. So well, I thank wanna, you, Mark. You're doing good. Well, thanks, I, buddy. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate that. So thanks again to California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. And our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. Patrick, I love working here. And Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. More information at 805connect.com.
1: Patrick, why don't you tell people how
0: they could support us?
1: Oh, the number one way right now is to go back into your podcast app, whichever one you're using, uh, and find the review button, find the stars button, and uh, give us some uh, critique one way or the other. We love to hear any feedback that you have for us. Uh, It is the best way to uh, directly affect the thing that you're listening to in your ears right now. So uh, give us a review, and we promise to respond and, uh, and make it a better show.
0: Excellent. Thank you. So until next time... I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.